You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Thank you, guys. Now, y'all got to sleep in. I woke up for the 8.30 service. Oh, my gosh, it's exhausting doing that. Man, I don't get how people show up that early. But you guys had some sleep. You got to eat a real breakfast. It's good stuff, right? So we're here. Let's do this. We have been in our series generations where we have been studying just uh, and learning about all the different generations that come within this church, that live within this church, and it is incredible to be a part of. And we've been focusing on the big idea that the visions of the young and the dreams of the old create the beauty of the future. And last week, uh, Pastor Doug was able to share with the younger generation what the older generation wished that they knew. And uh, so, you know, first, before I get into what I'm going to talk about today, I first want to say to the older generation, and, you know, just so that we have like a clear line, at least for me, I'm a millennial. And so anybody older than millennial, I consider older generation. So take that how you want it, okay? So if you are 37 or younger, you're on my team, welcome to the squad. All right, cool. So, so but to our older generation, 38 and older, I want to say this. I appreciate you. And I honor Every single thing that you have done for me, every single thing that you have taught me in my five years of hanging out here at City Church, and I just want to say thank you for just pouring into my life, uh, you know, in these years. So thank you for that. Now, that being said, let's pray together, and uh, we'll get started. So Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as a family, to come together as a diverse group of people, Lord, um, where we can just learn about you and just meet in this beautiful place that you've prepared for us. So um, God, I just pray for open hearts, open minds, open ears tonight or today, Lord. And so um, God, again, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, oh, come on. Everybody said, there we go. All right. So um, today I've been tasked with the incredible opportunity to share with you, older generation. And don't be offended if I say old people today. OK, I just want to be clear because I'm going to say young people and I'm going to say old people. And so it's a lot easier than saying generation over and over. OK, so what I want to share with you, old people, I've been tasked to share with <laughs> like that. Right? I've been tasked with what the young people wish you knew. And so um, you know, this summer we started a high school internship program where we took eight of our high school student leaders and we, we took them through a six-week um, course or a six-week um, internship where for three days a week, Monday through Wednesday, we'd meet up at 6.30 in the morning and through a series of workouts, Bible studies and book studies, as well as opportunities to serve um, our church family here on Wednesday nights and on Sunday, um, we showed our young people, hey, you know what, you guys can have a very significant impact and you are capable of having an impact, not just here at our church, but also in our world. And so, you know, through all that, it was an incredible summer. It was super challenging, um, but it was a lot of fun. And at the end of this internship, we took a camping trip. We went on a camping trip, all the interns, myself, and one of the leaders that helped me out on this um, internship. And so we, we packed all our stuff up and we drove out about an hour away from San Antonio uh, to Palmetto State Park. And we had this incredible camping trip. Uh, and it was super cool. But as we got there, uh, we set up camp and we were getting everything ready. And the time came for dinner. And so I'm pretty excited because like, I think I'm a pretty decent cook. And so I'm just like, yeah, I get to cook for my kids. I'm super pumped. And so we're cooked. So we're getting stuff ready. And we get to the point where it's like, okay, time to start cooking stuff. And so I get to the, to the fire pit and the reality set in, 
And, and the reality was that I didn't know how to start a fire. And so, so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh man, I, go, I don't know how to do this. And so I, uh, did I tell anybody that I didn't know how to do it? No, I did not because um, I wanted to seem like I knew it all, you know? So I'm there and for about an hour, I'm working at this fire without a fire starter, okay? And so I'm working this fire. All I have is wood and a lighter, okay? And so like, that's all I'm working with. And so I'm trying to get this fire started and one of uh, our students asked a question and her name is Michaela and she goes, she goes, Robbie, why would you bring us camping if you don't know how to camp? <laughs> it was a fair question. Um, so I worked at it a little bit harder, and now I'm, I'm super annoyed at this point. And the kid that I told to hold a flashlight, his name's Malachi, he's holding the flashlight, it's getting dark, and he goes, uh, Robbie, and I go, what? You know, I'm like just frustrated. And, and he goes, can I try? And I was like, sure, dude, try. Go ahead. Good luck, right? And so he goes, okay, cool, hold this. And he gives me the flashlight, right? And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> And he goes, hold it still. I'm like, okay. So I'm holding the flashlight. I'm like, let's see, right? In like five minutes, this kid gets the fire started. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And I was like, how? And he goes, I'm a Boy Scout. You know, I'm just like. <laughs> that would have been good information to know at the time, right? So, so. but I realized in that moment and in, in really this whole summer, I realized something that I really believe that the, older, that the younger generation wishes the older knew, and it's that, that we are more than flashlight holders. Now, let me, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Have you ever had a parent that says, hey, let me teach you how to do something, and when you want to go work on that project with that parent or that, uh, that person that you looked up to, they give you a flashlight and they go, hold it still. And at the end of all this time, the only thing you ever learned how to do was not the project itself, but how to hold a flashlight really still, right? That's, and well, well, I feel like, you know, sometimes it's easy to kind of get in that mode because sometimes, you know, especially myself, when I work with students, I think to myself, like, nobody can do it better than I can. So I'm just going to do it. And hopefully they'll watch enough times and they'll be able to do it one day. But eventually you're going to have to take the flashlight from them and say, OK, do this. And we do not want to become a church that is filled with flashlight holders. Right. We want to be a church that is filled with people who are capable of doing things. And so. Um, again, as I, as I thought about, you know, okay, what do young people want you to know? You know, it's the, the word capable came to mind. We are capable of doing stuff. You know, we're, we're capable of doing something. And so uh, we know that all series long, again, we've acknowledged that, that if we want to be a church where the visions of the young and the dreams of the old create a beautiful future, then we need to focus on, okay, how are we going to accomplish that? And last week, Pastor Doug shared with us uh, to the young people, he, he shared that if we, if we want to accomplish that, then we need to honor our older generation, and we need to be able, and we need to not be afraid to take risks, and to understand that there come, that, you know, there's a time limit. We have to honor the clock. There's a time limit to all of the awesome things that we get to be a part of, to, to really to take full advantage of every single moment, every single opportunity that we have. And now to our older generation, I believe that you know, in order to start viewing our younger generation as more than flashlight holders, then you're, you're gonna have to display three characteristics that we need from you in order for us to become more than flashlight holders. And we see an incredible blueprint to this in the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Now, if you're not familiar with this relationship, I'm gonna give you a quick overview real quick. Um, and then, you know, if anything, you can go back home and spark notes it, it's totally cool. So um, we're gonna, let me just go through this real quick. Well, Paul is now on his second missionary 
uh, trip. He's on a second missionary journey, and he's traveling through now what is modern Turkey. And so now he's traveling through Turkey, and he's revisiting all the churches that he had visited on his first missionary journey. And now he comes to the city of uh, Lystra, and he meets a young man named Timothy. And we know that Timothy is a young man because uh, about 12 to 15 years later, he writes a letter to Timothy where he says in the letter, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. Now, the word young there in the Greek was a term used for military age, which ranged from about the years of 18 to 40. And people believe that, he, that Timothy was about 30 years old when Paul wrote him this letter, which means, going all the way back to when Paul met Timothy, he was a teenager, which I think is pretty cool. And so, he, so Paul sees this teenager, and he sees something significant in him. And so he decides, hey, I'm going to take you with me on the rest of my journey. And so um, Paul sees something significant in this young man. And we've studied, you know, what seems like more and more of Paul lately, that Paul is this no-nonsense kind of guy. And, you know, a joke that Pastor Doug always makes is that, you know, if you, like, get your feelings hurt too easily, like, you wouldn't like Paul because Paul's very straightforward. And he's like, you need to pull your weight. You need to work hard. You know, I expect things out of you. And Timothy knew that going in. And so he stepped up to every single challenge, every single task that Paul gave him. And Paul noticed, hey, I can give this guy more and more. And and he gave him more and more responsibility that it led up all the way to a point that now Timothy is in charge of this large influential church um, in Ephesus. And so now Timothy is in charge of this. And we see Paul again just so, so much interest in this young man, this man of the younger generation, and he just pours more and more into them. I mean, Paul wrote 13 letters, letters in the Bible, and 10 of those letters he mentions Timothy in them. He knew the significance of having and pouring into the younger generation. He knew the significance of viewing the younger generation as more than flashlight holders. And so, um, you know, as he had this mindset, you know, he displayed, again, three characteristics uh, towards Timothy that I believe that if you, the older generation, display to our younger generation, that we as a church will be one step closer to that beautiful future that we so badly want for this place. And so I'm going to run through these real quick. Um, the first one is Paul displayed the characteristic of parenthood. All right, he displayed the characteristic of parenthood. When I was 16 years old, I moved to Austin, Texas, and I started going to a church called Promised Land West. And at this church, um, I met my youth pastor, and his name was Pastor Tim Ball. And, and this guy was, was wild. Like, okay, so one, I don't want to brag, but I'm really good at foosball, and it's because of this guy. Like, he taught me everything I know, not just about uh, the Bible, but even more, you know, like great foosball and stuff. Okay, so... Um, Tim was, was so influential in my life that he, he saw me as this new kid, and immediately he saw something in me, and he, and he poured into me. And, and he didn't just, you know, like spend time with me. Uh, he didn't just, uh, you know, call me out when I was messed up in school, but he took the time to sit down, and, and he opened up the Bible and said, I want you to start here. I want you to start here, and I want you to read to here, and I want you to tell me everything you learned, and we're going to talk about it together. You know, because he knew the significance of that the Lord would play in my life in order for me to achieve everything that he saw in me. You know, at some point, we are all in need of spiritual parents. We all need spiritual parents of some sort. And our older, to our older generation, guys, our spiritual parents are going to come from you. 
You know, you are our spiritual parents. You are the people that are going to look into the younger generation and say, I see something in you. Now, I'm going to take the responsibility of stepping up and help guide you and lead you through that. I mean, Paul knew the significance of being a spiritual parent. I mean, look at these references to Timothy um, that he just makes over and over. And I just brought a few. He's, you know, 1 Corinthians 4, 17, he says, for this reason, I have sent to you, Timothy, my, what's that word? Whom I love, who is faithful to the Lord, because as a with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. To Timothy, my true in the faith. To Timothy, my dear Spiritual parents are important. We need spiritual parents. We need you, older generation, to be those spiritual parents for us. Now, let me give you a disclaimer real quick, because there's somebody in the audience today, and I'm not going to point it out because I don't know who it is, but there's somebody in the audience that is like, sweet, that's a pass to be creepy mentor guy, you know, that can give way too long of hugs. Like, that's awesome. Don't do that. Please don't. Um, because there's always somebody that's like, that's like, hug me. You can call me dad. Like, no, we're not going to call you dad. You know, it's just, it's weird. So don't, don't do that. Um, because we won't receive it. But, but this is a challenge, you know, that, you know, you have something to offer the younger generation. You have life experiences that we have not gone through yet. You have, you know, you've, you've been through just life and you know, and that, you know, God has allowed you to go through those so that you could take those experiences and pour them into the younger generation. You know, if you have children, you know, start with your children and pour into them and teach them, you know, what the struggles that you've gone through and how you've dealt with them. Um, and I want to encourage you, you know, if, if you are not, you know, before you think about possibly pouring into the younger generation and taking that challenge of being a spiritual parent, I want to encourage you, you know, to constantly be in the word and constantly be challenging yourself because you cannot pour out, you know, you can't pour into somebody if you're not allowing the word to pour into you. And so you can't pour from an empty glass. I want to encourage you get into the word because God has allowed you to go through his life experiences to teach me and to teach our younger generation and how to deal with those moments. We need you. We need spiritual parents. Um, and again, you know, there's only so many things that, that YouTube can teach us. You know, I can look up YouTube videos all day. But there's only so many things. I okay, older generation, if you don't know, we look up YouTube videos for everything now um, because we don't want to hold flashlights, and so we're going to figure stuff out. And so we're, YouTube videos are huge, but YouTube cannot teach us what God has placed on your heart to share with us. And so I want to encourage you guys with that. Um, now, now here, we'll be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, Paul writes this. He says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Imitate me. It's important that we have spiritual parents. It's important that we have spiritual parents that sit down with us and guide us through what the Lord is sharing with you to guide us through, you know, but it's also super important that we have spiritual parents who step up to this challenge that Paul's issuing here, where he is saying, imitate me. Imitate what I am doing, which brings us to our next characteristic, and is that we, the younger generation, need you, older generation, to be pace setters. We need you to be pace setters. You know, I'll never forget the time that a student referred to me as a father figure. It was weird. I was, I was 21, I was this ninth grader, and, and she looked at me and she was telling me about her life. She's telling me how um, her dad had been in prison for, for some time. And, um, and she goes, you know, you're, you're the only father figure I have. 
And um, I'm not, you know, telling you this to, to brag. Um, you know, I'm telling you this because, you know, I had the opportunity to share with her, you know, what a positive role model looks like. You know, I got to share with her stuff like, you know, guys are gross and, <laughs> and, uh, and that I had her back, you know, anytime she needed it. You know, and, and she told me, she goes, I look up to you. And again, I don't tell you to brag, but I tell you this because in that moment, like it freaked me out because the weight set in. And, and this is the weight that I want every single if you're a parent, if you're a parent in here, raise your hand. Look at that. Parents all around. See, you're not alone. You think you're parenting alone? You got plenty of support here. But but I want every parent to, to feel this weight and to understand this. And every single person of the older generation, I need you to feel this. OK, when I was told that I was a father figure and that she looked up to me. This is the way I felt. I've, I realized that whether I knew it or not, whether I wanted it or not, I was setting the pace for how somebody of the younger generation was living their life. They were looking up to me, and they were looking to see, okay, how does, that, how does Robbie do it? I'm going to do it like Robbie. And right now, if you have children, they're looking up to you, and, they're looking to, and you are setting the pace for how they're going to live their lives. You are setting the pace for how they're going to deal with all the things that life throws at them. Now, I'm not asking you to be perfect, and, and I believe me, the last thing this girl wanted me to be was perfect, but you know, I am asking you to, to, grasp, to grasp this point, to, to understand this, that there is somebody looking up to you. If you don't have children, there is a young coworker that is looking up to you right now. You know, there is somebody here at the church that is looking up to you. There is a niece. There is a nephew. There is a grandchild. There is a, a protege. There is somebody who has looked from the younger generation that is looking up to you and is saying the way that they're handling it, that's how I'm going to handle it. Now, if you're sitting in your seat and you're thinking to yourself like, oh, well, you know, like, that's easy for, you know, Paul writes this over and over and over. He says, watch me, imitate me. You know, in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 11, uh, 1 verse 11, he's, or chapter 11, he says, follow my example as I follow Christ. You know, he says, he speaks boldly. You know, he's confident. He says, if you follow me, you know, then you can be confident that I'm following Christ. And, you know, the way that you deal with the imperfections of this life is the way the younger generation are going to deal with the imperfections as well. Now, I'm not saying if you walk in your living room and you stub your toe and you say a cuss word, like, you know, your kid's going to say a cuss word every time he stubs his toe. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, you know, the way that you argue with your husband or your wife is the, you're setting the pace for how your children will argue with their spouses. The way that you treat your wife or your husband is the way that your children are going to treat or are setting the pace for how they will treat their husband or wife. You know, if the way that you allow your spouse to treat you is setting the pace for how the younger generation is going to allow their spouse to treat them. You know, in moments that you experience financial trouble, because again, life's not perfect, the way you handle those moments is setting the pace for how somebody of the younger generation is going to handle it. You know, the moment that you're discontent with your job, or you're unhappy, or, uh, or maybe you don't have a job, the way you handle moments like that, those situations, is setting the pace for how somebody, the, how some, someone from the younger generation will handle those moments. Somebody is always watching. And so take that on, not as a burden, but as an incredible responsibility, because that means that somebody looks to you and says, man, I want to be like you. And that is incredible. And it's an awesome opportunity. And, you know, a huge one that I, that I deal with almost every week as a pastor is the way that you speak onto the younger generation when life isn't going perfect. 
you know, is how then they will go and speak on to the generation after them as well. I mean, I sit with students in my office every Wednesday um, and, and every Wednesday night, you know, here uh, in the theater, and I deal with students who are just going through just tough stuff. I mean, if you could hear the things that these kids pour out, you know, on a daily basis. And, and one of the most common things that I always experience is they say, you know, my mom told me that I'm just going to be just like my dad, so I might as well just be. Or uh, my dad said he wouldn't be surprised if I was, you know, pregnant by the time I'm 17. So, like, what's the point? Or they'll say stuff like, you know, you're always going to be this way. You're not going to amount to anything. You know, like, this stuff sticks. You know, and again, like Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 4, 14, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. I'm telling you this not to make you feel bad or not to beat you up, parents. I want to make that very clear. I'm not telling you this, but I'm telling you this to warn you. Because right now your life is making an impact, a huge impact. And again, you know, just think like if you've been a part of this, if you've ever spoken down to a younger generation person or, or have ever treated, you know, the younger generation in a way that you're not very proud of. You know, I don't want you to beat yourself up, but I do want you to, to think about, you know, think about when you were a kid or a teenager and an influential person in your life, an influential person from the older generation spoke down to you. You know, think about the words that have been spoken to you and then think, you know, are you doing the same thing that they did? Because if you are, and I want to tell you, you have an incredible opportunity to break that cycle that your family might be stuck in. You know, your family might, you know, your parents may have been spoken down by their parents, and now your parents are speaking down to you, and now you don't, be, because that's what you've been taught, are now speaking down to your children. But now I want to make you aware that you have an incredible opportunity to break the cycle that your family is stuck in so that your children can now pass on something that you taught them and not what your parents taught you. Because the reality is that we all make an impact in our, you know, here on this earth. We all make an impact. Our lives make an impact. Turn to the person next to you and tell them you make an impact. All right, now turn to your second option and tell them you make an impact. You make an impact. And check this out. The cool, there's not a lot of things that we're in control of in this life. There's not a lot of things we're in control of. But one thing we are in control of is whether or not we make that impact a good one. And so I want to challenge you with that older generation. And to every single parent in here, you make an impact. So I want to encourage you to step up to that. We need pace setters. We need positive pace setters that are going to be able to walk into a room. They're going to be able to walk into City Youth on Wednesday nights or uh, to your tribes or to Kid City or to your homes and, and, say, and speak with confidence and say, hey, you can follow me because I am following the ways of Christ. Follow me because I'm following the ways of Christ. So I want to challenge you with that because I believe every single person in here can step up to that and can do it. And so, you know, once you're a spiritual parent who is a positive pace setter, you know, then comes the fun part, in my opinion. I love this part a lot. And it is you get to view the younger generation as a partner. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I lived in a small town uh, called Spring Branch, Texas. And we, uh, in my, my middle school mascot was a Wrangler. We're not super cool stuff. And um, I remember we, we had this fairly large yard, and, um, and my dad and my grandpa, Joe, would do yard work together um, in there. And my grandpa had this, like, green John Deere lawnmower, this riding one. It was super cool. And I was like, 
one day. That's the dream right there. I'm going to get to ride that lawnmower. And so um, I remember the, the day came. My dad woke me up, and he goes, he goes, hey, you're going to help us mow the lawn today. And I was like, can I ride the lawnmower? And he said, yes. And I was like, Ugh. so I ran downstairs. I went to the garage because, see, we got to understand is that I had been working and preparing for this moment. I've been preparing for the moment that I got to be called upon and, and ride this lawnmower. And so I, I made this backpack. I got this old backpack and I duct taped an umbrella to it. <laughs> and I put the backpack on and I popped open the umbrella and I was like, let's go to war. You know, like, let's do this. And so I got on the lawnmower and, and I was just like, man, the wind was going through my hair. I was going like at least two miles an hour. It was awesome. And so I was just rolling. But what, you know, what's, what's crazy about that is that it was, I didn't do a good job. Like my, the lines were crooked. You know, my dad laughed a lot. My grandpa laughed a lot. It was, it was an awesome uh, day for me at least. But, but what, what happened that day was my dad saw that I was capable of doing something. He was, you know, I was capable of, of becoming a partner with him and my grandfather on this. And so as I got better and as they trusted me with more and more of the yard, I got, um, they were freed up to go and edge and do other landscaping stuff that I don't really understand. But like they were doing, you know, they got to get to these parts faster and we got to be done with the yard, you know, in a much better time. And so the same goes for us as a church. You know, right now there are people, there are kids, uh, kids, students, uh, young adults who are just chomping at the bit. And they've been preparing and they're ready for the opportunity for the older generation to say, hey, I need you to help me with this. And you know what? This benefits our older generation, too, because, uh, you know, when you allow the younger generation, when you partner with the younger generation to go and help you in something, help lead a small group help uh, lead a service project, whatever that may be, it frees you up to go out and accomplish more of the dreams that you have for our church. You know, and Paul knew this, and Paul knew, like, man, you know what? I'm not just going to pour into Timothy. I'm not just going to be a parent to him, and I'm not just going to set a pace for him for nothing. I'm doing it so that eventually we can partner together so that I can go out and do more stuff, and Timothy can hold down the fort while I'm gone. And, and you see this in First uh, Timothy uh, chapter 4, where he says, like I mentioned earlier, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believer's speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. He had, he, he saw Timothy and he goes, you're capable. You're more than a flashlight holder. I trust you to partner with me and I trust you to set an example just like I would set an example. So again, we need spiritual parents who are going to positively pay set and then who are going to partner with the younger generation. And I believe Older generation, if you step up into that, if you step into that, then we will achieve the beautiful future that we so badly want together. Because just as bad as you want this beautiful future, the younger generation wants it as well. We want to be a church together. We want to be a church of today. And so I want to encourage you with that. I want to challenge you with that. And, um, you know, one of the greatest pace setters that I've ever known um, was my grandmother, my grandma Linda. And, uh, you know, nobody in my life has set the pace on how to love people like this woman has. Um, and, you know, unfortunately and, and sadly, my, my grandmother passed away uh, last week, last Sunday she passed away. And um, it's been, you know, super heavy 
on our hearts, but of course, you know, naturally I started thinking about all these like awesome stories um, and memories of my grandma. And I remember one uh, moment in particular, and I'm gonna share this at her memorial service tonight, and so I thought I'd share it with my church family first. Um, but when I was in kindergarten, I was, uh, I was sitting in class, and I really had to use the restroom. Um, but I was, I don't know why I was embarrassed or, or whatnot, but I decided, here's a good spot, and so I just went in my pants. <laughs> and so, so I'm sitting there, in my pee pants, and so I'm just like there, and um, and I didn't tell anybody because I was embarrassed. I was like, I can't, I can't, you know, tell anybody. I can't. And so I just sat there all day, and um, until the teacher finally identified that I had uh, an accident, and and she and she uh, came to me and she goes, Robert, did you have an accident? And I was just like, Yeah. And she was like, Okay, well, um, let's take you to the nurse. And I go, Okay. And so she, you know, my teacher got me, took me to the nurse, and um, she goes. Uh, she goes, okay, well, we're going to call your grandma to come and get you. And I started freaking out. I was like, no. I was like, nobody can know about this, you know. And, and she's like, no, we're going to call your grandma. And I was just like, okay. Um, and so then I started, all these thoughts started flowing through my mind. Like, I was like, is she going to get mad at me? Is she going to yell at me? Is she going to tell my dad? My dad will for sure spank me. So, like, I don't know, like, about this. And so, like, I, I'm, I'm freaking out. And all I could do in that moment was just cry. And so I cry and I cry and I cry and then I see my grandma's like old Cadillac pull up to the to the parking lot and, and she gets out and she walks into the nurse's office and I mean she sees me and I'm there and I'm crying. And, and I look at her, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, Grandma. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm just crying, and, and she sees me, and I'm scared, and I'm worried. Um, and she walks up to me, and she kneels down, and she looks me in the eye, and, and, she, uh, and she, first she gives me, like, just the biggest hug that I think I've ever received in my life. And, and it just, you know, I just sat there, and I just like, man. And then she looked at me, and, and, she, and she told me, it's okay. And she told me how much she loved me. She goes, I love you so much. And so she picked me up. She took me to her Cadillac and she put me in there. And we went to her house. Um, and she put me on my grandpa's chair. And she went into the kitchen and fired up the comal and threw some tortillas on there. And, you know. I smelled the, the tortilla just flowing through the living room, and she came with two just beautiful masterpieces in bean and cheese tacos. <laughs> and she, she gave them to me. You know, and, th and that moment was so significant for me because, you know, it was the moment that I realized, you know, even though I didn't know who God was, I didn't know, you know any of that, it was a moment that I realized that I could mess up and still be loved that I can make a mistake and still have someone who says, it's okay, I love you. And isn't that like Jesus? You know, just think about the mess that, you've, you know, that you may have created in your life. Think about any mess that you've ever been a part of. You know, and you think, about the, think about the ways that you thought that God may have looked at you. Do you, you know, do you feel like he looked at you and said, you need to be a better mom? You know, you need to be a better dad. You know, you're not a very good boss. You need to work harder. Really, you're still addicted to this. Why? You know, if I had to guess, 
you know, like myself as a kindergartner thinking how my grandma was going to react. You know, a lot of us think that way about how God looks at us. You know, but I, this was told to me the other day, and, and I want to share this with you. You know, I, I believe that if Jesus had one opportunity to come down and look you in the face and tell you something, you know, I believe he would tell you that he loves you. Mess and all. I believe he would look at you and say, it's okay. I still love you. Jesus loves you guys. God loves you so much. And no mess that you could ever create, no mess you could ever be a part of, whatever could ever take the place of how powerful God's love is for you. You know, before you were even born, before you were even a possibility or a thought to this world, he knew every single thing about you. He knew every single word you were going to say. He knew every single mistake you were going to make. He knew every single hair on your head. And he chose to die for you anyways. He chose to say, I know you guys are going to make a mess, but I love you way too much to let that stand in the way of me and you having a relationship together. And so God sent his son down to this earth to live this incredible life and to die this incredible death. And then he rose again three days later, all because of you. And so if you walked in here today and you feel like, man, my mess is too big, like you don't understand, you don't know what I went through, I want to tell you this, I don't know what you went through and I don't know what you're going through right now, but I will tell you what I do know is true, that God loves you and all it takes is for you to believe that in your heart and receive that in your heart, that there is nothing you can do that's ever going to take away the love that God has for you. Then all of a sudden your mess it's nothing. And so let's bow our heads together. And let's pray together. And you know, if you walked in here today and, and, you're, and you feel the weight of that mess, and you're like, man, I, I feel this weight and I don't know how to get over it. You know, it starts right here. It starts by, by believing that Jesus loved you so much that he gave up his own life for you so that you didn't have to deal with these messes anymore, you know, alone, but also so that you can overcome these messes. And it believes by believing, it starts with believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord for you to be able to receive that. It's no magic prayer. It's nothing. It's just a condition. Do you believe that that is true about you? Because it is. And so let's pray together. You can say this to yourself. You can say it out loud. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. God, I acknowledge that my life has had some messes in it. And at some level has kept me from you. But Lord, it's no coincidence that I'm in this room tonight and today or today. And I, and I trust, I, I trust my life with you. And the best way I know how, I want to start living for you. And I believe everything that your son did for me is true. And so Jesus, from this day forward, the best way I know how, I choose to live for you. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, Lord, I just want to thank you for every single person in this room, every single older generation person, every single younger generation person, every parent in here. And God, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us 
as your children to imitate you and that you have chosen to allow us to make an impact in this world despite all the messes that we may have made. But God, I pray today that, Lord, that we just receive just how much we're cared for, how much we're loved, and that we step up to that responsibility that it is now our responsibility to go and share that with our church and the world. And Lord, again, I thank you for the older generation and all the life experiences that you've allowed them to go through to teach us, the younger generation, on how to handle them and how to deal with them. So Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.